0: Question sixty three of Summa Theologica Prima Secunde Treatise on Habits in Particular Good Habits, that is, Virtues This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Summa Theologica Prima Secunde Treatise on Habits in Particular good habits that is virtues by st thomas aquinas translated by the fathers of the english dominican province question 63 of the cause of virtues in four articles we must now consider the cause of virtues and under this head there are four points of inquiry first whether virtue is in us by nature second whether any virtue is caused in us by habituation third whether any moral virtues are in us by infusion fourth whether virtue acquired by habituation is of the same species as infused virtue first article whether virtue is in us by nature objection one it would seem that virtue is in us by nature for damascene says in on the true faith three fourteen virtues are natural to us and are equally in all of us and antony says in his sermon to the monks if the will contradicts nature it is perverse if it follow nature it is virtuous moreover a gloss on matthew four twenty three Jesus went about, etc. says, He taught them natural virtues, that is, chastity, justice, humility, which man possesses naturally. Objection to, further, the virtuous good consists in accord with reason, as was clearly shown above in question 55, article 4, second reply but that which accords with reason is natural to man, since reason is part of man's nature. Therefore, virtue is in man by nature. Objection three further, that which is in us from birth is said to be natural to us. Now virtues are in some from birth, for it is written in Job thirty one verse eighteen, From my infancy, Mercy grew up with me, and it came out with me from my mother's womb. Therefore, virtue is in man by nature. On the contrary, whatever is in man by nature is common to all men, and is not taken away by sin, since even in the demons natural gifts remain, as Dionysius states in On the Divine Names 4. But virtue is not in all men, and is cast out by sin. Therefore, it is not in man by nature. I answer that, with regard to corporeal forms, it has been maintained by some that they are wholly from within, by those, for instance, who upheld the theory of latent forms. Translators note an exacurus others held that forms are entirely from without those for instance who thought that corporeal forms originated from some separate cause others however esteemed that they are partly from within in so far as they pre-exist potentially in matter and partly from without in so far as they are brought into act by the agent in like manner with regard to sciences and virtues some held that they are holy from within, so that all virtues and sciences would pre-exist in the soul naturally, but that the hindrances to science and virtue, which are due to the soul being weighed down by the body, are removed by study and practice, even as iron is made bright by being polished. This was the opinion of the Platonists. Others said that they are holy from without being due to the inflow of the active intellect as avicenna maintained others said that sciences and virtues are within us by nature so far as we are adapted to them but not in their perfection this is the teaching of the philosopher in ethics to one and is nearer the truth to make this clear it must be observed that there are two ways in which something is said to be natural to a man one is according to his specific nature, the other according to his individual nature. And, since each thing derives its species from its form, and its individuation from matter, and again, since man's form is his rational soul, while his matter is his body, whatever belongs to him in respect of his rational soul is natural to him in respect of his specific nature while whatever belongs to him in respect of the particular temperament of his body is natural to him in respect of his individual nature for whatever is natural to man in respect of his body considered as part of his species is to be referred in a way to the soul in so far as this particular body is adapted to this particular soul in both these ways virtue is natural to man incoatively this is so in respect of the specific nature, in so far as in man's reason are to be found instilled by nature certain naturally known principles of both knowledge and action, which are the nurseries of intellectual and moral virtues, and in so far as there is in the will a natural appetite for good in accordance with reason. Again, this is so in respect of the individual nature, in so far as by reason of a disposition in the body, some are disposed either well or ill to certain virtues, because, to wit, certain sensitive powers are acts of certain parts of the body, according to the disposition of which these powers are helped or hindered in the exercise of their acts, and in consequence, the rational powers also, which the aforesaid sensitive powers assist. In this way, one man has a natural aptitude for science another for fortitude another for temperance and in these ways both intellectual and moral virtues are in us by way of a natural aptitude inchoatively but not perfectly since nature is determined to one while the perfection of these virtues does not depend on one particular mode of action but on various modes in respect of the various matters which constitute the sphere of virtue's action, and according to various circumstances. It is therefore evident that all virtues are in us by nature according to aptitude and incoation, but not according to perfection, except the theological virtues which are entirely from without. This suffices for the replies to the objections for the first to argue about the nurseries of virtue which are in us by nature, inasmuch as we are rational beings. The third objection must be taken in the sense that, owing to the natural disposition which the body has from birth, one has an aptitude for pity, another for living temperately, another for some other virtue. Second Article WHETHER ANY VIRTUE IS CAUSED IN US BY HABITUATION OBJECTION 1 IT WOULD SEEM THAT VIRTUES CANNOT BE CAUSED IN US BY HABITUATION BECAUSE A GLOSS OF AUGUSTINE COMMENTING ON ROMANS 14 VERSE 23 ALL THAT IS NOT OF FAITH IS SIN SAYS THE WHOLE LIFE OF AN UNBELIEVER IS A SIN AND THERE IS NO GOOD WITHOUT THE SOVEREIGN GOOD where knowledge of the truth is lacking. Virtue is a mockery, even in the best-behaved people. Now faith cannot be acquired by means of works, but is caused in us by God, according to Ephesians 2, verse 8. By grace you are saved through faith. Therefore, no acquired virtue can be in us by habituation. Objection to, further, sin and virtue are contraries, so that they are incompatible. Now man cannot avoid sin except by the grace of God, according to wisdom, chapter 8, verse 21. I knew that I could not otherwise be continent, except God gave it. Therefore, neither can any virtues be caused in us by habituation, but only by the gift of God objection three further actions which lead toward virtue lack the perfection of virtue but an effect cannot be more perfect than its cause therefore a virtue cannot be caused by actions that precede it on the contrary dionysius says in on the divine names four that good is more efficacious than evil but vicious habits are caused by evil acts. Much more, therefore, can virtuous habits be caused by good acts. I answer that we have spoken above in question 51, articles 2 and 3, in a general way about the production of habits from acts. And speaking now in a special way of this matter in relation to virtue, we must note that, as stated above, in question 55, articles 3 and 4, man's virtue perfects him in relation to good. Now since the notion of good consists in mode, species, and order, as Augustine states, in On the Nature of the Good 3, or in number, weight, and measure, as expressed in Wisdom, chapter 11, verse 21, man's good must needs be appraised with respect to some rule. Now this rule is twofold, as stated above in question 19, articles 3 and 4. Notably, human reason and divine law. And since divine law is the higher rule, it extends to more things, so that whatever is ruled by human reason is ruled by the divine law too, but the converse does not hold. It follows that human virtue directed to the good which is defined according to the rule of human reason can be caused by human acts, inasmuch as such acts proceed from reason by whose power and rule the aforesaid good is established. On the other hand, virtue which directs man to good as defined by the divine law, and not by human reason, cannot be caused by human acts the principle of which is reason, but is produced in us by the divine operation alone. Hence Augustine, in giving the definition of the latter virtue, inserts the words, which God works in us without us, in his commentary on Psalm 118, in his homily 26. It is also of these virtues that the first objection holds good. Reply to Objection 2. Mortal sin is incompatible with divinely infused virtue, especially if this be considered in its perfect state. But actual sin, even mortal, is compatible with humanly acquired virtue, because the use of a habit in us is subject to our will as stated above in question 49, article 3. And one sinful act does not destroy a habit of acquired virtue, since it is not an act but a habit that is directly contrary to a habit. Wherefore, though man cannot avoid mortal sin without grace, so as never to sin mortally, yet he is not hindered from acquiring a habit of virtue, whereby he may abstain from evil in the majority of cases, and chiefly in matters most opposed to reason. There are also certain mortal sins which man can nowise avoid without grace, those namely, which are directly opposed to the theological virtues, which are in us through the gift of grace. This, however, will be more fully explained later in question 109, article 4. Reply to objection 3. As stated above in article 1, as well as in question 51, article 1, certain seeds or principles of acquired virtue pre-exist in us by nature these principles are more excellent than the virtues acquired through them thus the understanding of speculative principles is more excellent than the science of conclusions and the natural rectitude of the reason is more excellent than the rectification of the appetite which results through the appetite partaking of reason which rectification belongs to moral virtue accordingly human acts in so far as they proceed from higher principles can cause acquired human virtues third article whether any moral virtues are in us by infusion objection one it would seem that no virtues besides the theological virtues are infused in us by God. Because God does not do by Himself, save perhaps sometimes miraculously, those things that can be done by second causes. For, as Dionysius says in On the Heavenly Hierarchy 4, it is God's rule to bring about extremes through the mean. Now, intellectual and moral virtues can be caused in us by our acts as stated above in article two therefore it is not reasonable that they should be caused in us by infusion objection to further much less superfluity is found in god's works than in the works of nature now the theological virtues suffice to direct us to supernatural good therefore there are no other supernatural virtues needing to be caused in us by god objection three further nature does not employ two means where one suffices much less does god but god sowed the seeds of virtue in our souls according to a gloss on hebrews one therefore it is unfitting for him to cause in us other virtues by means of infusion. On the contrary, it is written in Wisdom 8, verse 7, She teacheth temperance, and prudence, and justice, and fortitude. I answer that effects must needs be proportionate to their causes and principles. Now all virtues, intellectual and moral, that are acquired by our actions, arise from certain natural principles pre-existing in us, as stated above in Article 1, as well as in Question 51, Article 1. Instead of which natural principles, God bestows on us the theological virtues, whereby we are directed to a supernatural end, as stated in Question 62, Article 1. Wherefore, we need to receive from God other habits corresponding, in due proportion, to the theological virtues. Which habits are to the theological virtues, what the moral and intellectual virtues are to the natural principles of virtue? Reply to Objection 1 Some moral and intellectual virtues can indeed be caused in us by our actions but such are not proportionate to the theological virtues therefore it was necessary for us to receive from god immediately others that are proportionate to these virtues reply to objection 2 the theological virtues direct us sufficiently to our supernatural end in coatively, that is to god himself immediately but the soul needs further to be perfected by infused virtues in regard to other things, yet in relation to God. Reply to Objection 3. The power of those naturally instilled principles does not extend beyond the capacity of nature. Consequently, man needs in addition to be perfected by other principles in relation to his supernatural end. Fourth article, whether virtue by habituation belongs to the same species as infused virtue. Objection 1. It would seem that infused virtue does not differ in species from acquired virtue, because acquired and infused virtues, according to what has been said in article 3, do not differ seemingly, save in relation to the last end. Now human habits and acts are specified, not by their last, but by their proximate end. Therefore, the infused moral or intellectual virtue does not differ from the acquired virtue. Objection to, further, habits are known by their acts. But the act of infused and acquired temperance is the same, notably, to moderate desires of touch therefore they do not differ in species objection 3 further acquired and infused virtue differ as that which is wrought by god immediately from that which is wrought by a creature but the man whom god made is of the same species as a man begotten naturally and the eye which he gave to the man born blind is one produced by the power of generation therefore it seems that acquired and infused virtue belong to the same species on the contrary any change introduced into the difference expressed in a definition involves a difference of species but the definition of infused virtue contains the words which god works in us without us as stated above in question fifty five article four Therefore, acquired virtue, to which these words cannot apply, is not of the same species as infused virtue. I answer that there is a twofold specific difference among habits. The first, as stated above, in question 54, article 2, as well as in question 56, article 2, and question 60, article 1, is taken from the specific and formal aspects of their objects now the object of every virtue is a good considered as in that virtue's proper matter thus the object of temperance is a good in respect of the pleasures connected with the concupiscence of touch the formal aspect of this object is from reason which fixes the mean in these concupiscences while the material element is something on the part of the concupiscences now it is evident that the mean that is appointed in such like concupiscences according to the rule of human reason is seen under a different aspect from the mean which is fixed according to divine rule for instance in the consumption of food the mean fixed by human reason is that food should not harm the health of the body nor hinder the use of reason whereas according to the divine rule it behooves man to chastise his body and bring it into subjection according to first corinthians nine twenty-seven, by abstinence in food drink and the like it is therefore evident that infused and acquired temperance differ in species and the same applies to the other virtues the other specific difference among habits is taken from the things to which they are directed. For a man's health and a horse's are not of the same species on account of the difference between the natures to which their respective healths are directed. In the same sense, the philosopher says, in Politics three three, that citizens have diverse virtues according as they are well directed to diverse forms of government. In the same way, too, those infused moral virtues whereby men behave well in respect of their being, fellow-citizens with the saints and of the household of God, according to Ephesians 2.19, differ from the acquired virtues whereby man behaves well in respect of human affairs. Reply to objection one. Infused and acquired virtue differ not only in relation to the ultimate end, but also in relation to their proper objects as stated reply to objection to both acquired and infused temperance moderate desires for pleasures of touch but for different reasons as stated wherefore their respective acts are not identical reply to objection three god gave the man born blind an eye for the same act as the act for which other eyes are formed naturally consequently it was of the same species it would be the same if god wished to give a man miraculously virtues such as those that are acquired by acts but the case is not so in the question before us as stated end of question sixty three Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.